If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Three. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in five, four, three, two, one. Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Although, <laughs> there were plenty of reasons not to based on results, right? Great to be with you. I'm Jeff. Tom absent today. Director Matthew sits in the producer's chair as well as the director's chair. Double duty for Director Matthew today. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, if you are watching on War Chant TV, don't forget to like and subscribe, share so that others might uh, find the program as well. All right, here we go. Here we go. We got to get to uh, the the most frustrating weekend. I well, one one of the things is frustrating. The other is I don't know, not frustrating, weird, and annoying. But uh, it would appear diamond dreams for all of us uh, that uh, we're excited about. Postseason softball, postseason baseball, running kick to the cojones. That was your weekend. Get you some of that, everybody. Hanging on by a thread. The big story, obviously, being FSU softball as uh, a team that was, what, 32-0 and in non-conference games heading into Sunday, a team that had won 24 straight regional games, 54-5 on uh, on Saturday turns into – 54-7 and seven on Sunday. And good night, Irene. Grand opening, grand closing. Thanks for playing. Stunning, stunning result in what happened here at home. And it's weird because we lead with it. That's how stunning it is. I ordinarily, you know, on this show, we'd probably lead with something football-oriented. FSU baseball, perhaps, although it gave us nothing to be happy about. But that Sunday, that Sunday is shocking for... FSU softball, and it's a testament to how great they've been, how consistently great they've been. And, and, and really, when you think back on this, it, it's weird foreshadowing, and I know she didn't mean it to be, 
Coach Alameda, who Lonnie is such a class act and was again after this uh, collapse here against uh, a Mississippi State team that's really, quite frankly, uh, while deserving of immense credit for doing what they did, not any good. They lost 25 games in the regular season, for Christ's sakes. But the point is, she was gracious as always, was Coach Alameda. And I think that's an exceptionally difficult thing to do. I'll get to that in a bit where we talk about the PGA Championship. But think about that. 54-5 and five to 54-7, and seven, and just like that, you're done. You get beat at home. And it's 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 just odd that Watson and Sandercock they don't get it done and 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 that's not like pointing and blaming and any of that stuff that's just that's the frustration because you 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 can't believe it and heck Sandercock was thirty and one coming into Sunday took the L in both games it's a brutal way to have it in thirty and three now obviously I feel for them but woo. I want to go back to what I said was uh, oddly uh, foreshadowing, and and that was that, uh, you know, you can take for granted, I think. Um, It's true, and she said it. She talked about don't take for granted the successes, the wins, the accomplishments. And in some ways, uh, in in many cases, for Florida State softball, for the last number of years, they've been record-breaking, and and that's true of this year, too. But, you know, it's almost like sometimes that's just something you say. It's sort of like, you know, you, you recognize, because you, if you're around long enough as a player and then a coach, the way she is, you know that the potential for there to have a season end in heartbreak is very real. Only one team wins the national championship, and you've had enough successes and moments of despair along the way that you're able to kind of reflect and, and reminisce about what it means to have won as many games as this team did this year and to know how special that is and that the record books will obviously reflect that for years and years to come. But the reality is when you have that kind of a season and you've been this kind of consistent, you don't expect it to come to an end on your home field in a, against a team like Mississippi State that you've been vastly superior than all season long. You don't expect to get blanked in the first game. You don't expect to to, to lose the lead in the second game. And you do expect, and Corey Clark wrote about this on Warchant.com, you do expect, because they did it time and again, that they're going to get the big hit, they're going to make the big play when they have to have it. It's there. But when you're successful and you've been really good in these big moments – and so much is expected of you, especially at home, especially when you're in the driver's seat of the regional, that if things go off the tracks, if things don't work out the way that you expected them to, if you get put up against it in a bad situation, the weight of those expectations, the weight of those successes can become overwhelming, can become stifling. I'm not saying that's what happened, but we kept waiting around for the big hit, the big moment. And the later it got, all of a sudden, you, you, you really are at that point in a position that the unthinkable becomes a little bit more clear. You can see it from where you stand. All of a sudden, the realization that this may not work out. Uh, is probably a bit breathtaking. Uh, I, I hate it for the ladies. I hate it for this softball program that has been so good. And I was guilty of it, too, certainly expecting them to cruise uh, this weekend. It didn't happen. 
And, you know, you look at the finishing touches. I saw Florida State tweeted this out. You can look at any number of the uh, successes of which I'm referencing. They finished the season with 54 wins. They were the 21st Florida State softball team to win 50 or more games in a season. It's the eighth time in Coach Alameda's uh, career here uh, that they've reached 50 wins. FSU's 49-5 and record in the regular season, the highest winning percentage in a regular season in school history, makes it all the more stunning that they fall. And, you know, you, you got a winning percentage of over 900 going into the postseason and you're hosting. And you run rule uh, USF, and you're like, okay, well, this is, I mean, they're going to cruise. This is really just sort of the precursor to the real excitement we were all getting ready to settle in for, and alas, it, it, it doesn't happen. It's, uh, it's a shame. Now to the baseball team, which, Jesus, guys, They just said, screw it, decided to end the year by falling flat on their face as spectacularly as one can. Starting pitching, which has been really the cornerstone of what we've had to rely on because they don't do a lot of other things all that well. They don't hit for power. They don't pick up the baseball very well. They don't run the bases very well. So, you know, other aspects of the game that are of vital importance, they don't do very well. But you expect your frontline pitching to get the deal done at least – Win a game on the road, but alas, they still don't have a reliable third starter. The starting pitching this weekend was awful again. The Knowles starters gave a robust 10 innings pitched in three games. Hmm, that'll hurt your feelings. Of those 10 innings pitched from the starting pitching for Florida State, they gave up 10 earned runs and uh, walked five. Yeah. Also 13 hits. Yeah, not good. Not good. They've now lost four straight. They enter the ACC tournament. Not pitching well. Don't worry, they don't pick up the baseball either. The ACC tournament starts on Tuesday. They play Wednesday against Virginia, then Notre Dame on Thursday. Both those games are at 3 o'clock. My God, football can't get here soon enough. Can't happen soon enough. Again, circling back really quickly to softball, uh, where I mentioned that Lonnie talked about taking the time to appreciate wins and milestones. It kind of gets me into uh, other big-ticket items of the weekend, which was obviously a major was decided, and Justin Thomas wins the PGA Championship, comes back from seven shots down to start the day. Over the last 13 holes yesterday, including the playoff, he was six under par and bogey free. Well, that's throwing it on the table. That's a whole lot of come get you some. But you saw the expression and the, the outpouring of emotion that he had. Well, think about how long it's been since he won. There's a guy with as much pure talent and shot-making ability as there is on tour, and it just shows you how difficult it is to win these things, and it was, it, you know, it took a collapse and a couple of other things to go right for him to just get his second PGA championship. But I also think that the gap between all of those lets you realize, man, that game is hard, and you better appreciate these things. You better appreciate these moments. By the way, while I'm all over the map and a little scattershot here at the beginning, let me just say this. As funny as it is, well, not funny, but as frustrating as it is to watch that Florida State baseball team, like, I know this is going to seem absurd 
for you guys to hear me say this? They go in ninth in the ACC. They win a couple games. They win three games. They win two games in this thing. You wouldn't be stunned. Silliness. It's baseball. If they pitch, they could. Uh, I go in with very low hopes. Um, It it was um, (laughs) something to behold. I want to give credit, just as I did to Lonnie Alameda, for standing up there and giving credit to Mississippi State and saying all the right things. But I want to do that, too, for Mito Pereira. Now, think about this guy. And I'm, I, this, you know how I know I'm getting old? I used to wish for things like this. I used to root for things like this. The Van Veldian moments in sport drew me to the television. I would watch guys collapse in the moment, and not because I had some sort of personal vendetta against any of these guys. I mean, in most cases, I don't know those guys. And But you just like to see drama. You want to see some sort of drama. And to some extent, it was drama-free, so I was like, oh, you know, I, I want to see this thing get interesting. And I wanted to see Will Zalatoris, and I know you did, and I'll get to that in a moment. But uh, Will Zalatoris, Justin Thomas, at the beginning of the day, I was like, oh, maybe Rory makes a run, whatever. We're naming guys out there. You just want to see it be thrilling. When he steps to 18 to hit that tee shot with a one-stroke lead, I remember I realized in the moment, like, I, I have a bad feeling about this because he'd been all over the map, and I kind of thought, this, this is not going to end well. I'm really concerned about this, but I didn't anticipate that it was going to be a double and he wouldn't make the playoff. I just assumed a bogey, and he'd lose in the playoff, and he'd kick himself, but to not even get to the playoff in that moment because of that drive, I thought, Oh, I can't watch this anymore. I feel bad for guys. I think I've reached the age that I look at them as kids. He's like 24. And I just want to give him a hug. Like, you'll be back, man, probably, if this doesn't ruin you, which it might. (laughs) At least in that tournament yesterday, I was not in that frame of mind. No, because um, you were gambling on Zalatoris to win. (laughs) That's that's true. Uh, But it's weird how you have these players you don't like. So, like, for me, it was Sergio for a long time. So when he won the Masters, I'm actively rooting for him to put every ball in the water possible. Mm-hmm. But these no-name players who yeah, are never, ever going to be in contention again, more than likely, you kind of root for them. You do, and I, I rooted for him because I could see that look on his face. Like, my golf swing is not with me today. I'm just trying to find a way to get this thing down. Each of these holes, I'm just – he made how many – Hundreds of feats of putt that he make uh, just trying to salvage par on every hole. It was remarkable. But here's where I want to give him credit, just really quickly, because it, it shouldn't go unnoticed. I think it's important. That dude, English is not his first language, and he just suffered through probably the most difficult defeat that he's ever going to suffer through with the opportunity of a lifetime on his driver on 18. So it's palpable. You can taste it. You're about to be a major champion, multimillionaire, everything under the sun, right? Your life is going to be forever changed, and you hit that drive into the water. You double bogey that hole. You don't even make the playoff. You lose out on roughly $1.9 million. <laughs> wow, that that's, that'll hurt your feelings. And yet, no qualms about giving that interview. And why do I bring that up? Because the guy we love didn't do the interview. Rory didn't do the interview on Saturday, and he didn't do it on Sunday. He was so mad at himself. Really? Come on, man. 
that's one thing. Like you can't do that. You've got to own it. You got to step up to that and do that interview. It's not that hard. Amanda Balionis is not going to like pounce with some sort of hard hitting, you know, examination of your choke. Yeah, this is not Barbara Walters. No, like you're going to get some softball questions. She's going to give you some maneuverability. She's going to let you explain how it was that it happened. And yet he ducks it, and this guy, again, not even, you know, how uncomfortable it has to be. But he's, and he said it before, he's like, I'm working really hard on my English, and I'm trying, and it's not even his first language, and he's had the most crushing blow ever, and he's like, yeah, I'll do the interview. Yeah, I got it. (laughs) Bravo, brother. That makes you want to root for a guy like that. Good for him. I hope hope he does. I mean, he's young. He's young. He's got a shot. But, you know, this, this go one of two ways. You never really know. We'll see. It's Jeff Cameron's just a football-related talk here in a moment. 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. I'll watch you Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to be with you. Good Monday, everybody. Yep, deep breath. Hang in there. Uh, disappointing. I don't think we have a lot of reason to believe in this FSU baseball team, but they are still fighting. It is the ACC tournament again. It begins Tuesday. They play Wednesday, 3 o'clock. Virginia, then Notre Dame. We'll see what happens. I think that's the order of things. Double-check that in a moment. If they don't pick up the baseball and get good starting pitching, I don't know how we can expect much, but who knows? It's baseball. It's a weird game. I'd say it's a weirder game, baseball, than softball. Softball, actually, your elite teams don't do what Florida State did this weekend. That's not me taking an unnecessary shot at softball. For the most part, dominant teams remain dominant and get the opportunity to compete for a national championship. That's why it was a epic uh, loss and uh, frustrating one at that. Not saying it doesn't happen, but it, it, it's pretty rare uh, when we talk about the balance of competition in the sport. Um, it's it's kind of strange to see that result. It, it really is. Now, I will say Florida State's pitching uh, this year at times we, we you know was not nearly as dominant as it has been, so I thought that there was a possibility they could lose like a high-scoring affair or something like that. We've seen some 9-7, you know, they, the ACC tournament, they give up a lot of runs, and you're kind of thinking, well, I mean, they, they, they could get out-slugged, but they're not going to get out-pitched. But to get blanked 5 to nothing, that was shocking. Then to lose a game like this, 4-3, to three, that's pretty stunning. On to football, which is what I teased before the break, and let's go with that for a moment because we brought this name up a while back. He's on campus today, our own Michael Langston, Warchant.com, noting um, – Charlotte offensive lineman uh, Dimitri Emanuel is on campus. And uh, it's interesting. This is a player, and this is where we're at. If you think about where we're at, uh, anytime, anytime that uh, there's an offensive lineman in town, there's an offensive lineman like driving past the stadium, giving a glance at it. Anytime there's a lineman who at some point is seen at a restaurant, it's just anything. 
to do with an offensive lineman. We as a fan base are like, well, maybe it's possible. And our ears perk up and we're waiting for the news. And I understand that because we haven't been good up front in a long time. This is not a guy that is going to change the fortunes of Florida State football dramatically. He's a guy that if you listen, I, I think he's a guy that provides depth. I, I depth. I don't think he's necessarily a starter. Then again, if you go back to Bless Harris, what you know about Bless Harris? When we when we heard Bless Harris was coming in, and we looked at the, uh, it, you know, you looked at the comps with him, you looked at the numbers, you looked at what he was physically, what he wasn't. You thought, okay, well, maybe he's a guy being brought in to provide quality backup. That if he has to start a game or two at a position where lots of guys tend to get hurt in the trenches, that you don't automatically fall off a cliff. And that's really been a huge problem for Florida State on the whole. Is that when I this happens all the time? People will ask me uh, about the team and about what I think is going to happen or what I what I like and don't like. And every time we get to the don't like category, I mention the lack of depth and how this thing falls off a cliff if guys get hurt. That the the difference between the starters and the backups at most positions are pretty glaring. It's a precipitous drop-off. It is, it is a, a, a concerning development if guys go down on this roster. that uh, starter, Starters go down. Almost at every position. Almost at every position. You can go through every segment, almost every segment group, and you go, well, this is, uh, this is a problem. The guy that's going to fill in for him this weekend kind of sucks. Like, that conversation happens a lot, unfortunately. Um, and you immediately think, well, okay, that's a that's a toughie to overcome. They haven't had quality depth at most positions in some time, and and so when you look at these guys that they're looking to bring in in the transfer portal on the offensive line, in this case, that's all right. Look, um, Dimitri Manuel comes in. Can he help this team? I think he can help the team. Is he a game changer because of his prowess? No. Did he play a lot of positions along the offensive line? He did. He did. So versatility is always a plus. Experience is a plus. Uh, if if somebody is to get hurt and you got to plug him in, he's played a lot of college football, a lot of college football, and he's done it at almost every position on the offensive line. So, yeah, it would be a nice get. It's not a game changer. Uh, I don't think he would be a starter. Uh, I still think you're talking about, you know, at this point, if well, we, we're still waiting on Caden Lyles to find out if he's going to be the real deal when fall practice starts. And, you know, if, if he is, you can start him at center. Uh, that gives you a little bit of versatility. Of course, the sure thing you know is Gibbons is at guard, and he's good, actually. So that's one of the nice things to say. Uh, Scott's going to be one of your tackles. I'm not in love with him. I think he's an average to below average player, but he's played a lot of football, and he's going to start for you. Um, Washington's going to start for you. Pretty nice player. Uh, I, I, you know. I don't know. It gets it gets it gets a little interesting there, uh, Harris. I mean, you know, just just we'll we'll go from there um, on what that offensive line looks like. But it, it's not going to be the strength of this team. He's a guy that gives it versatility and depth. 
So let's see. They didn't get what they wanted from Lloyd Willis in the spring. I, I don't know how many times I have to say that, but I'm going to keep saying it because I know that they thought uh, that, that he would take a step forward. In my opinion, he did not take a step forward. There was not a single day of practice that I was at in the spring where I thought, oh, look at that. Lloyd Willis is really kicking ass. Nope, nope, not at all. I thought, well, that's, that's a problem. And a lot of guys will then say, well, what about the linemen they're bringing in? What about the offensive linemen they're bringing in? What about Armello? What about guys like that? You don't want to start freshman offensive linemen almost ever. And that's part of, you know, that's part of the problem is that we've had to, and I've talked about this a lot, but just to reiterate, we've had to start guys before they're physically and emotionally ready. You get guys, you're going against grown-ass men in the trenches. The difference between a high school tackle going up against another high school tackle and then one that comes to college at this level in the Power Five and takes on a guy that's a junior or a senior, a redshirt junior or a senior in college, man, that's grown men versus a kid. Big kid. Big kid that got away with it in high school because he was bigger than everybody. Big kid who at 300 pounds was pretty much going to have his way in high school at any level. If he's got any juice at all, he's going to dominate the vast majority of his competition week in, week out just by being bigger. But you get here, and it's a whole new ball game. Everybody's big. Everybody's strong. Everybody can play with technique. And if they've been in the program for three, four years, they've been eating right, they've been lifting, they've gotten stronger, smarter, bigger, all of it. Now you throw in a freshman or redshirt freshman who's not physically ready to compete against that, and they get broken down, they get beaten down. And then what happens, not only is it physically damaging to them, but it's mentally, psychologically damaging to them. And you've got to ask those guys to play and dust themselves off time and again, and eventually you watch, confidence erodes. If not the physical tools, the confidence begins to erode. It's frustrating, but we have been in a vicious cycle of watching guys having to play before they're ready to play. And I don't care if they're decorated or not coming out of high school. If they're alignment, there are exceptions. It's very rare. But if they're alignment, you don't want to have to start them in year one. Offensive linemen aren't supposed to be starting as freshmen. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant. TV. The Jeff Cameron Show brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. So a couple of you asked. We were actually just talking about it during the break. And uh, Director Matthew brought up the fact that, you know, is there is there anything similar to uh, starting a young quarterback and kind of seeing a guy get broken because he's starting too soon? And in an offensive lineman, I think one is physical, the other is more mental. The offensive linemen that have to start early in the trenches against grown-ass men uh, who have been around a, a collegiate football program for a few years, I, I think that's a physical beating, which affects the psychology, but I, I think it's more physical. And then they get broken down a little bit easier. I mean, like you see over time, their body's breaking down. Whereas I think with quarterbacks who are thrust into action too soon, they make some colossal mistakes. Uh, they have games where you know they complete forty percent of their passes, throw a couple pick sixes, get teed off on, and they're seeing ghosts. They don't trust themselves to pull the trigger. 
They they leave the pocket the first sign of distress. All that stuff happens. But you really, I mean, one of the beauties of the, well, I, I think the combine, you start with the combine, is that it's not just the physical that those guys are looking for. When Each position's different. Yeah, there are certain positions in the NFL where I don't really need to know if you're smart or not. I don't really need to know. I mean, I'd like to know. I mean, the more information that you have about anything is a good thing. But there are some positions where you don't exactly have to be a road Scholar for me to draft you and suggest that you can be plug-and-play and have success. Be nice if that you had a, a great football IQ or otherwise, but I don't need it. Other positions, I kind of need to know how quickly you can process and how quickly you can come to understand what we're trying to do. Quarterback would be one of those. And in addition to that, what you end up finding out is not just like this kid's big, strong, almost anybody that gets invited as a quarterback to the combine has the tools to play. They've usually got a pretty big arm. They're usually of requisite size. If they're not 6'4", 6'5", then there's something phenomenal athletically at 5'11", 6 feet or something like that that would even have you look at them, right? But you got to know what they are. What is their what are they are they an alpha? Are they a guy that if I start them in year one and we're not a real good football team, the pieces around them aren't very good. If we lose games, if they try to force a few balls and we end up, you know, losing a game because he throws a pick late, is that gonna eat him up? Are we gonna lose two games because of that one? Or is he gonna next week be ready to play? And that you can't answer unless you're in the room. That's the thing we don't know when we watch these drafts. You don't know how that interview went. You don't know what they thought about a guy like that when they sat down, they did the psych to figure out who he is. Uh, you know, they're you go back, I was I use this as an example because I'm freaking old. But you know, listen, Troy Aikman, a lot of times people will say about Troy Aikman, well, I mean, listen, he had an all-star team around him. It's true. He had one of the greatest offensive lines in the history of football in Dallas, all-time leading rusher, as it turned out, David Smith. Yes, they were loaded at wide receiver. Jay Novacek at tight end. You go on down the list, right? They had pro bowlers everywhere, and that certainly aided in his ability to go and win championships and everything else. That said, no matter what you want to say about him as a passer and how many more Hall of Fame quarterbacks you'd take ahead of Troy Aikman because of whether that be – uh, arm strength or uh, ability to extend plays or win with guys that were lesser than, whatever it might be, right? There was no questioning toughness. So they go 1-15 his first year, and he gets beaten like a drum, but it didn't have a deleterious effect on him moving forward. Like the next game, the next year, the next he's able to take those kinds of beatings. Not everybody can. Not everybody can. So I think there's a little bit of a, of a difference there. Um, to bring it back to for our younger audience, yeah, <laughs> they're like, "Who's that?" You mean the radio announcer? I mean the TV announcer? Yeah, Joe Burrow. Yes, keeps getting up after what fifty-one oh, sacks. Good God, Sam! I looked it up. Sam Darnold is the quarterback we were talking about. Oh, on right. the other hand, yeah, is on I'm the sidelines saying, "I'm seeing ghosts," and that's that's the that's the risky run. Yeah, it was awful. You remember that? I mean, that that audio clip, I remember hearing him say that, and I thought, oh, well, we got issues here, man. I don't know where we're coming back from this. I mean, my man is admitting he's seen ghosts. And he hasn't. He hasn't come back. No. Yeah, for the record, he still sucks. It's not working out. What a horrible moment for an organization to catch that, right, to get that audio clip, to see that video, be like, what? 
Did, did my guy just say? Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, that's a toughie. Um, <laughs> Kate Vaughn, Mark Sanchez is getting sacked by random butts. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm not worried. By the way, as it goes, okay, let's go back to Florida State here. I want to do this for a second because Bill Connolly's updated SP Plus preseason projections for 2022 came out. And if you don't know about Bill Connolly or you've not read Bill Connolly before, uh, I, I personally, look, I don't look at anything as the holy grail per se. I like as much information as possible by which to assess players, teams, coaches, and everything can be a tool. So you can look at something and say, I value this or this aspect of his rankings. I like the way he comes to this conclusion. I like the system that he uses. It's all laid bare. You can figure out what it is if you just go read what he writes on ESPN. Um, and he does preseason projections of the SP Plus based on three factors. Now, I'm going to go through all this in depth, but I'll just note that returning production's part of it. Um, so they'll take reporting, returning production numbers uh, based on the rosters that he has updated as much as possible to account for transfers and attrition and all that. The combination of last year's SP Plus ratings, adjustments based on returning production, make up two-thirds of his projection formula. Okay, so you know that they're weighting that heavily, right? Recent recruiting. Obviously, that's going to inform what you think, the caliber of a team's potential replacements. So if you got a guy that be replaced by a guy that was a five-star as opposed to a two-star, that's going to help you out in all likelihood. Uh, past few years of recruiting rankings in diminishing order. Most recent class carries the most weight. That's the way they look at that. And then recent history. They use a sliver, as he puts it, of information from previous seasons, two to four years ago. Good measure of overall program health. If a program has been steady losing seven, eight games over the last three years, they aren't exactly upwardly mobile. You can get a So these are all kind of standard things. Um, tempo and opponent adjusted measures of college football efficiency as well. I, I like that they incorporate all that. It's, um, it, it's basically a predictive measure of most sustainable and predictable aspects of football, right? So it, it's all of those kinds of things. All right. So why do I bring all that up? Well, that's a long winded way to tell me, to tell you that Florida state came in at 28th, 28th, um, which also tells me a couple of things. And you can get into these numbers. You can get into projected SP plus uh, offense, defense. Um, you can look at the change from last year to this year, uh, where he has you know Florida State last year compared to this year. Have they improved offensively, uh, defensively, uh, what they're expected to be this season, etc. Uh, and you know, is it going to exactly mirror what the final polls were last year? No, but it's close. Ohio State's one, Alabama's two, Georgia's three. I think Ohio State is a good pick. We did it on the college sports book to uh, put a little of your pizza money down on uh, making the college football playoff. I think you get plus money for that. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. Um, but it's the same old customers, right? I mean, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. If you want to mix that order up, that's fine. But when we get through this, you start looking at the other squads that we are more comparable to. That is to say, not Georgia, right? Are we more comparable to the likes of, say, Ole Miss or Pitt or Kentucky? Yeah, yeah, that's who we're more comparable to. Florida's 23rd, we're 28th. And what I think about with that is there's a whole lot of 
sort of 50-50 one-score projections, like the, the games that are going to come down to the fourth quarter, if we're just solely basing it on what these teams were the last few years, what we expect them to be, in this case, his numbers, you're just outside the top 25. Well, if you want to break into the top 25, if you want to go bowling, if you want to be a team of even marginal uh, distinction, then you're going to have to win a couple of the 50-50 games that you lost a year ago. I mean, you're going to have to win some games. Uh, like, a, I don't know. I mean, I think you're probably a dog uh, to, to Louisville on the road on a Friday night. Can you win that game? Yeah. You know, where, where are you at against Wake? Where are you at? That, that's – and we've known this. It's just presented in such a way that when you look at that, you realize there's a ways to go, but you can pivot to a drive here a turnover battle there, a little bit of football luck here, maybe you get to nine wins. I don't think they will. I'm not predicting that. I think eight's probably the ceiling. I don't think this is a great team. I don't think it's that talented. I think they're better. We're slowly, incrementally getting better, but we're not where we want to be. It's a little frustrating. Again, the lack of depth factors into what I project because it's football, and it's a war of attrition, as they say. And... I don't know too many seasons, there have been a few, but very few, in which you get through it without an injury or two, a fairly significant injury or two, Uh, and most teams that go on to have success when that happens have a lot of depth at the position. You know, you lose your best receiver at Alabama, you're replacing him with an elite receiver who's probably going to play in the NFL. You lose your best receiver at Florida State, mm, you fall off a cliff. You got guys that you're not real sure would start for USF, not real sure would start for, you know, Troy. It's a toughie. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is sponsored by the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. Great rates, cutting-edge technology, and transparent communication is the recipe for a five-star mortgage experience at FSUHomeLoans.com. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to be with you. Thanks for being here with us. Director Matthew filling in for T. Lizzie today. I went to the Lightning game yesterday down in Tampa. That was fun. That was fun. Look what's going on here, kids. Huh? I'm on the verge of a sweep. We went um, on this side of the glass from Tom not expecting them to win game seven. To sweeping the Florida Panthers. It's silly. Yeah, it's silly. Um, well, there's, you know, I think I think you see sometimes the value of experience, and I, I'm 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 watching that Florida team that's about to get beat could very well get swept, uh, and of course they won the Presidents Cup this year, and I'm reminded of the Lightning team pre back to back Stanley Cup championships, which is that the one that got swept by Columbus. And they, too, won the President's Cup. They, too, destroyed hockey all season long, dominated wins, points, you name it, and got into the playoffs and were forced to play a different style and lost. 
And there's that comeuppance, that lesson that you have to learn along the way uh, about being versatile and about being tough and being able to play. Like Florida wants to get up and down the ice. They want to play a wide-open style of hockey. They can score a ton of goals. They have a lot of skill. You clog the passing lanes. You rough it up a little bit. You slow things down. And next thing you know, that's a 1-1 game midway through the second. It's not being played the way you want it to be played. And you can start to see the stress, the weight of it. I talked about it at the beginning of the show. We were talking about when you're when you when there are expectations, the weight of expectations, the psychology of all this is fascinating to me. I mean, you would much rather be in a position where a lot is expected of you because you've shown something that would lead to that expectation. Whether you're an individual in an individual sport or if you're in a team sport. People don't project you to, you know, go out and win championships if you've given them no evidence that you're capable. So you want to be, you know, obviously in a position uh, that people think highly. You've either shown the individual skill or the collective skill to be in a position where you're projected to succeed at an elite level. But there is no ignoring that the weight of expectations – and the fear of failure, it's a very real psychological component to all this. And it doesn't take much. You just got to sprinkle in a little bit of doubt. All you got to do in both team and individual sports is sprinkle a little bit of doubt. That's why you always hear it said. It's such a cliche, but it's so true. Everybody out there who's listening to this show, who played organized sports at all, if you've ever been on a good team, you know that when you play a team you're supposed to beat in anything, in anything, Basketball, baseball, well, baseball's a little different because the pitcher can control so much. But in, in most of your other bigger, stronger, faster sports, right, if I'm bigger, stronger, faster, if I have a collection of people that are bigger, stronger, and faster, I'm probably going to win. Not always, probably. But what's the one way to get beat is to let the inferior team believe they can win. And how does that happen? Well, you don't put them away early. You don't collectively sow the seeds of doubt or confirm their suspicion. Like most underdogs know they're underdogs. Now, no competitor, especially the higher up you go in team competition, no competitor is going to convince themselves they're going to lose, even if they know on the surface that the other team has had the better year, has the better players. They still think there's a chance we can win. you got to beat that out of them. You can't be sitting around in the fourth inning tied at three. You can't be in a situation where that begins to come into play. Hold those teams down. Step on the neck. Let them confirm what they already believe. We're not good enough. This team's too good. This team, you know, there's a reason they're the number two national seed. You know, there's a reason. They won 54 games. I mean, Mississippi State lost 25 games this year. They were barely over 500, if you will. What are they, 32 and 25? I mean, that's, that's not... A dominating team. But you lose the first game, you get blanked, and you give those girls credit. I'm not trying to take credit from anybody. I'm just talking about how it happens. And they go out, they win that first game 5 nothing, and now it all shifts. They've got nothing to lose. It's a minor miracle they're even in that position where it's a winner-take-all. In the moment, they're like, if I told you before we got sent to this regional in Tallahassee, that you were going to play in a Sunday one-game winner-take-all, you'd take it. You'd take it every day, twice on Sunday. Hell yeah, you would. Turned out to be. But that's exactly what you do. And the next thing you know, it shifts. Um, and, yeah, and I agree, Ryan. Uh, truncated tournaments, that, that drives me nuts. It's, it's, 
baseball, that's especially true. Um, you know, baseball's meant to be a series. You're meant to test every element of a game. In college, they can't do it because of finances. So you don't get a best four out of seven. And, you know, for years, the championship game was a singular game. Anything can happen in a single game. I used to beg for two out of three, beg for three out of five. Ideally, you want a series where my one and my two and my three get to throw. Um, but, but you know, anyhow, this baseball team's not good enough for me to complain about that. They, <laughs> they're, they're a mess. But, yeah, uh, a truncated series can hurt your feelings um, in a lot of ball sports, uh, baseball and softball. That is true. But, yeah, man, like oh, the, the, the idea that you let somebody hang around and believe – all of that shifts to the team that is the favorite. All of that shifts to the one that sh- is supposed to dominate. I don't know when it happens exactly, but we've all been there, right? We've all felt that. Like, we're supposed to kill this team. And now we're 10 minutes into the game. Now, it's funny. I've, I brought the lightning up against Florida, right? To start the third period, it was 3-1 to one Tampa Bay. I was sitting with my best friend. He's a, a Florida fan. He flew up, and we were at the game together. And he's like, well, it's going to be pretty telling here in the first five minutes of the third period. They're, they're going to have to throw everything in the kitchen sink at Tampa and see if they can get a goal. Ten minutes went by, and they hadn't got a shot on goal. I was like, this, this, this is about to be an ass-kicking. This is over. Like, there's no belief anymore that that can come back, that that, that can happen. How quickly does that change if they score in the first five minutes of the third period and it's three to two with 15 to play? Now all of a sudden you got guys flying around the ice believing that not only are they going to do it, they're going to come back and win the game. And, yeah, you know, I mean, that didn't happen and they realized their ass was in the jackpot. Tough times. Hour number two, Iris Chaffel will join us in that hour. Hang in there. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.